welcome to the VITV podcast. My name is Becco, and I have a special guest, Sunil Shah. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Thank you, Becco. Nice to be back again. Yeah, no more, no, no floral shirt this time, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Co- COVID has taken the florality out of my life at the moment. <laughs> the lockdowns and the, and and the yeah, restrictions on on freedom. But we're still here. We're still alive and we're waiting for a brighter floral day. Very good. Very good. <laughs> well, I just want to quickly mention to you guys, the audience, that you know we haven't been recording for a little while. Um, but we are the, the podcast is, is still alive. It's just, you know, I had to focus on um, some other things in my life and so has Hari. But we're back in action with, you know, first first episode here with, you know, kicking it off. Operation Revitalization. That's what we're calling it. And uh, the first episode, <laughs> I'm, I'm honored to have Sonal back on the podcast. And, uh, you know, what better topic to talk about than, uh, than Micron to start things off uh, at, um, at, at the heels of this uh, report that came out from Morgan Stanley. Uh, so anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk about Micron in this episode. Uh, again, as we say all the time, this is not financial advice. Please consult your uh, tax, uh, tax advisors, financial advisor for your situation. Um, this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Uh, okay, let's get let's get right to it. So, Sunil, for those of you who haven't listened to our episodes together, uh, Sunil is a frequent guest uh, uh, here at VITV Podcast. But for those of you who don't know Sunil, um, why don't you why don't you give us a quick introduction of who you are, Sunil? Okay, great. Hi, hi, VITV. Um, Good to be back. Yeah, everybody's had some disruption in their lives over the protracted lockdown that has gone from two weeks to two years. Um, so my life has been, I started in London as a, uh, in an investment bank, um, Schroeder's. I'm a chartered a CFA, although the English call it something else. Um, and then I joined Schroeder's um, as an equity analyst, um, was in London, having been born in Kenya. And when uh, I came to South Africa on a one-week work visit, um, that one week ended up being 20 years. So because no self-respecting African can tolerate English weather. And I I can affirm that. So I moved here to Cape Town, and I absolutely love it as a a place to live. Um, I used to work for one of the most successful fund managers in South Africa. I was a fund, I was a mid-cap, small-cap, fund manager and their strategist for a while. Um, and I decided I wanted to invest without constraints. So about a decade ago now, let me get the dates right, 2004. No, 15 years ago, I left Coronation to basically go solo um, and not to set up a fund management company as such, but but to invest my own money. Um, and I had enough of a nest egg to basically... Um, make that grow uh, with the conviction I had that I could make it grow and pursue my other interest, which is writing. Um, so I'm a frequent writer on Seeking Alpha articles, and that's where Becco and I met. Um, but I'm also writing creative fiction in, in, in the financial world. And I've written my first book. I'm currently on my second, and I'm looking for a happy ending for Africa. And even my wild imagination can't conceive of it at the moment. So that's the current kind of block I am in my, in my writing career. 
So Becca and I have had um, two or three podcasts, and one of them has been on Micron. Um, and it's a fascinating story. It's my biggest holding at the moment of a pretty illustrious investment career. Um, and I think it's an incredible opportunity at the moment. In my opinion, Micron today is one of the most attractive investment entry points on the S&P 500. And Beko and I want to go through the story. Um, Beko's going to start with some of the statistics. I'm going to give you like a three-minute rundown of the three-decade evolution of the digital memory industry. Um, and then we'll, we'll go from there at the current um, opportunity it presents. So, Beko, is that a good summary to start? Yeah, that's fantastic. That is, that's a great summary. So, um, yeah, Sunil is uh, obviously uh, a great, um, you know, we're good, good friends now, but, you know, uh, he is a, is a great writer. And one of the things that, one of the first things that you told me was, you know, investing is like figuring out stories. It's like writing a story, except that you really don't have the control over yeah. the narratives. It, you know, it's you, your job yeah. as an investor is to figure out, figure out what narrative you want to be part of. Um, yeah. So I, I, it always yeah. stuck with me the, exactly. the, the, uh, that you said that. Anyway, having said well, all that. That's something I said stuck with you, Beko. Yeah, so just to rephrase what you said, um, one ought to get to a point in financial analysis when the numbers, the, the balance sheet and the P&L jump up in a story to you. Okay, the challenges of the company, the revenue growth, the, the, the threats they've had, how they've dealt with it. It's actually a story. So all those numbers, if you can visualize it as, you know, a, a character and, and, a, and a plot with challenges and the arc of the story and how that story will unfold, I think that's a great way to um, um, dramatize the prospects of a company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so having said that, let's... Um... Let's talk about Micron at sort of high level. Um, and also, I just want to preface this by saying, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes on Micron, please do so. We covered a lot of detail there, as well as Sunil's article. You know, as you mentioned up front, he's a contributor to Seeking Alpha, has great, great articles out there. So have a listen to, to our podcast, as well as the, the article. Okay, so having said all of that, let's just talk about Micron um, at a high level. So Micron is, you know, for those of you who don't know, Micron produces these, uh, heat, you know, Micron is in the semiconductor industry. They produce DRAM, NAN, as well as, you know, some, some other, uh, you know, some other uh, semiconductor uh, chips, components, uh, things of that sort. They're based in Boise, Idaho. Um, as of today, we are recording... September 12, as of today, it is, let me just quickly check, it is trading at $73.50. So $73.50, ticker symbol MU, Micron Technology. Just to give you some high-level high numbers, um, in 2020, they did about $21 billion in revenue. Uh, two years ago, uh, I guess two years ago from that point, so back in 2018, they hit a record a record number, uh, record revenue, which was 30, 30 billion, 30 point, uh, 30.4 billion. That was their record revenue year. Uh, anyway, that's the top line. Uh, net income wise, um, in 2020, they did 2.7 billion. 
And so 20 billion, 21 billion at top line revenue, uh, bottom line, about 2.7 billion. Um, and in terms of the balance sheet, you know, one of the things that I like to look at in the balance sheet um, most is just that their debt level. And they have about 7.2 billion on their balance sheet. Uh, that's not too big of a problem. They have about 7.6 billion uh, of cash. Um, and then and then in terms of the free cash flow, um, they generated about 3 billion, something like 3 billion um, a year before that. And the year before that, they generated about 8 billion. So that just to give you some high numbers around the company, that's the magnitude uh, that we were talking about. But let, let's go back to the core business again. You know, they sell DRAM, NAN. DRAM, 70, about 70, 75% of their business is, is selling DRAM. And then the rest is 20, 24%, 25% NAN. Um, they are in semiconductor industry, chip industry, which, you know, if you're not highly specialized, for example, like GPU, graphics card, it sort of it fluctuate the price, the performance of the company um, is, is, is sort of pegged to the cyclical nature of, of that industry. And with, you know, semiconductor and chips, it's sort of, you know, commoditized, at least at, at least at that at that level. Therefore, you know, you need to, as an investor, and also as an operator, you need to, you need to understand the overall market, and how that the, the cyclical nature of that market operates, because companies have to companies like, you know, Micron have to work within that context. Um, and I think I think I think this is a good segment to talk about some of the cyclical nature of the industry, kind of um, you know ebbs and flows of the semiconductor industry that we talked extensively about in the last episode, where we had Sunil on the podcast. But I think this is a good segue for you, Sunil. I'm going to punt it over to you to talk about uh, okay. several decades of yeah. you know ebbs and flows and what this what this means for us at this point in time. Okay, great, great. Okay, so you've got the the big picture from Beko there, okay? So I'm going to try and fill in about three decades of the semiconductor industry or, or the digital memory, which is DRAM and NAN, in the next five minutes. So earlier on, say from in, in, in the early 90s um, and, and maybe the first up to, up to about 2005, we had rapid improvements in the physics of making chips, okay? So basically the amount of... Um, transistors and um, capacitors you could fit onto a nanometer of silicon. Um, there were quantum leaps in the yield and the cost of producing those chips. Um, 20 years ago, in, actually, yeah, 21 years ago, in 2000, there were something like 25 players for DRAM and about 45 players in the NAN global supply um, market. Um, and it was a, a feast to famine time because the pace of innovation meant that if you didn't keep up with the digital beat, every year there would be quantum jumps in the capacity and performance of a chip. So a chip that was not sold in this quarter by any company next quarter would be redundant or obsolete because there would be a new chip um, that was twice as good at maybe three quarters of the cost. So every supplier of DRAM and NAN was in a race to keep with the 
um, at the bleeding edge. And the rate of improvement was 30 to 40% improvement in yield or reduction in cost. Basically, the gigabytes per dollar you could put onto a, 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 an integrated circuit on a chip meant that there was a rapid culling of people who couldn't keep up with the quantum leaps in productivity. So the, the, the entire industry was characterized by feast to famine or boom to bust. When things went well, there would be massive prices, amazing margins. They would, you know, print money like they had a printing press. But when things slowed down, you had a whole glut of suppliers trying to satisfy um, a, a linear rise in demand. And the industry was littered with people or players who couldn't keep up with the, the new product. So if in one quarter you hadn't kept up with the newest technology, then you had to give away your inventory at bargain basement prices. Um, and as a result, over the last 20 years, you've had a massive culling in the industry. Um, the rate of improvement today is estimated to be about 4 or 5% per annum, where, whereas it was 30 or 40% in uh, the 90s and early 2000s. Um, as a consequence, the corollary of a slower rate of innovation is a longer shelf life of the product. So if any of the current dram players can't sell their inventory in this quarter, it's not a case that they have to give it away next quarter because the shelf life of inventory has rapidly lengthened. So if you take Micron, if you go back to their history, any time inventory days, amount of inventory divided by inventory days is how much stock you have basically at the end of the quarter, any time their inventory days exceeded 80 or 90, there would be trouble because you know that the next quarter there'd be an impairment in the value of the inventory or a giving away of that inventory. So as a result of the evolution and the rapid culling in both NAN and DRAM, currently in DRAM, three players represent the global DRAM supply. Okay, it's highly capital intensive. There are... There are huge barriers to entry in both in terms of the intellectual property to make a leading edge chip today, which is um, iterations of successive technologies like DD1, DDR1, DDR2, DDR3. As we went up the learning curve in, in the physics of making a current chip, you had to have all that IP. So it's very difficult for a new player to enter that industry, especially when the, because of the monumental cost of building a new fab and foundry for DRAM. So we've come from, a, from an industry that was characterized by feast to famines to a current industry where you just have three players which are far more disciplined and have a much higher return on capital because there are fewer players and because there is um, a far longer length of longevity of their inventory, allowing for a far more disciplined and profitable market. Um, 
what I've talked about is DRAM, which is your dynamic ran random access memory, and NAND is your non-volatile memory. That's what you, you have on your solid state drive. NAND also has had the same culling of, of players and consolidation to an oligopoly, but in NAND you have five players that represent 95% of the industry. So we've had an extreme consolidation in both industries, which is a paradigm change in the supply of the industry. What's also very important is compared to 15 years ago to now, we have had a much broader use and need of digital memory in our data-centric lives. For example, if you take a, a mid-tier 5G phone and compare it to its predecessor 4G phone, you will use up to three or six times as much DRAM and NAND in your 5G phone. Um, so many of our applications need digital memory at the edge, things like full service driving, um, things like navigation software, things like your smartphone, um, things like machine learning in, in data centers. There's been a far greater use and, and um, necessity of DRAM, of digital memory in our lives. So previously, when you only had the PC, which was the main user of RAM, we now have a far more diverse range of end customers for, um, for Micron and, and the other two large players, which are Samsung and Hynix. So not only do we have a far more disciplined and consolidated supply chain in terms of three oligopolists, which have material market share and pricing power, we also have a far more diverse and deeper end market for the use of DRAM and NAN in our data-centric lines. So we've had a paradigm change in the industry in terms of the fundamental forces of demand and supply. And, and this paints an excellent picture for a re-rating of the share, because in the past, Micron Micron's um, cycles of boom to bust always led to a very low PE, yeah? The, 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 the valuation multiple that an investor was willing to pay for Micron because of its very deeply cyclical nature. Well, in the last down cycle, uh, which was 1819, that was the first year Micron did not go into operating losses in any quarter during the trough of the cycle. So we've all, Micron has already proved that it has shed its cyclical stripes in terms of going into losses during a down cycle. We're now at the stage, at the cusp of Micron demonstrating its leverage in how much earnings it can generate or how much cash it can spew out when we have a rising demand for digital memory. And we now have a confluence of forces in terms of um, uh, 4G to 5G phones, a much higher intensity of, of, of digital memory that goes into your even your mid-tier phone, 5G phone. We have the proliferation of data centers in um, machine learning algorithms which use GPUs. So all, all the, the diagnostics and inferences that um, um, data centers do in trying to predict how you will 
act as a consumer and which ads to put in front of you um, or, or, or visual recognition in a car or, you know, artificial intelligence in making the car see, um, that all has a high intensity of machine learning. And machine learning is basically a GPU, a graphic processor, uh, graphic processor unit, a GPU made by people like NVIDIA and AMD, and under that, the, 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 the memory substrate is always Micron. So one of the things that also is very attractive about Micron, if you remember, Warren Buffett would always say, I never understand technology because I can't. He, what he actually was trying to say is, I don't know what will be the leading GPU in 20 years. I don't have the knowledge to, to tell you if AMD or NVIDIA will be the, the, the market standard in GPUs. Well, for digital memory, it doesn't matter because um, if either AMD or, G or, or NVIDIA prevail, both use Micron, DRAM, and NAN as the underlying substrate of their digital memory. So, so the, the, the moat that, that um, Buffett talks about in terms of you know, how sustainable is the moat for this company, it's highly sustainable because virtually every application in computing today needs memory, right? And DRAM and NAN is made by three and five global suppliers. So I hope that gives you a, a good idea of the, of the potential of this share and the transformation of this share coming from a deeply cyclical past into going to a new paradigm where you have a far more disciplined um, oligopoly of suppliers and a diverse and deeper end market mm -hmm. in terms of uses. Um, and the one other thing I'd like to add is there are two or three very well-known investors that have Micron as their largest holding. Manish Pabrai, who's known as the kind of uh, best clone of Warren Buffett, it is 57% of his, of, of his um, portfolio. Um, David Tepper of Apollosia, I'm, I'm sure I pronounced the wrong, name wrongly, but he's also got a, 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 an extremely large uh, position in Micron. So there are a few leading gurus um, which have a strong belief in Micron. Um, and, and this is probably a great place to give it back to Beko and talk about the current opportunity the market presents to you. So there was a lot of good information there. So if I could just like quickly summarize what you said. Of course. A lot of yes. a lot of technology a lot of technology follow this S curve, right? You start, you know, improving slowly, slowly, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden you get you got you have this huge inflection point where you know there's lots of improvements, and then at the end of that, you get this plateau. You get you have you know a point of kind of diminishing return, and right around there you have a lot of consolidation because for small improvement you need a lot of capital, and if you want a lot of capital you need to be a big big player. In that industry so consolidation is exactly characteristics that you see yeah. towards the end of that cycle and this is what we're, what we're seeing exactly here and as it relates to that and how you know how that impacts the operation of the company people become more disciplined this is exactly what we're seeing here to your point you know the cyclical stripes they're shedding the cyclical stripes as you as you point out sonal um that that's uh, that's you know that's what we see but another, another thing that i want to point out here is this the similarity that I, similarity that I see here with the oil and gas industry or any sort of other commodity industry 
is that the the price of the commodity oil for example dictates how the company is doing and you know this sort of like big swings the cyclical swings it's 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 sort of um, reminiscent of you know what you find in oil and gas industry just wanted to point that out there um so all having having said all of that i think i think it would be great sonal to talk about to talk about the um talk about the uh the recent the recent drop in share price and some okay. of the yeah. some of the arguments that's coming out from Morgan Stanley and other you know other um, analysts you wrote about this in seeking alpha so could you give us a quick high level overview of what what they're talking about and specifically on Morgan Stanley report winter is coming could you give us a quick yeah. highlight just high level overview of what they what they argue what they are arguing sure sure maybe i should just start by everything was going according to my script okay in the, in the sense that micron had better revenue higher margins they were raising their future guidance um this year the micron story has unfolded almost precisely as i envisaged it alas but for one thing since about may Micron's price has been declining, despite earnings estimates going up, despite them always talking a better story regarding the improved prospects and use of their DRAM. Since about May, the share price has been falling. Um, and I found this very confusing and mystifying. Um, and finally, I had a concrete narrative um, from Morgan Stanley, which on August the 12th, which is just about two weeks ago, they wrote a massive report called Winter is Coming, written by 12 analysts, which also covers Samsung and Hynix, um, basically saying that we are nearing the end of the DRAM cycle and they underweighted or, or they reduced the price target of Micron from $105, which they'd made at the end of June, to $75. Um, and, you know, I was delighted actually to receive this report when I finally got hold of it because, you know, it, it, it's not accessible on the net. So the 70 page report can be summarized into two basic forks. And their narrative goes thus um, Digital pricing is beginning to wane because in PC DRAM, Price, price, uh, DRAM spot pricing peaked in May, and since then, the rate of change has been declining. They expect DRAM to peak in the third quarter of, of this year and then have high single-digit declines in um, first half 22. So high single-digit quarterly declines in the price of DRAM. That's the first point that they make. The second point is more a quantitative point. Which they're, which they're saying that if they look at the share price correlations with earnings um, and, and the trajectory of a share price, a share price can often go down despite earnings going up if the underlying commodity which it sells is declining or the future seems less rosy, then investors will focus more on the less rosy future than the rising estimates at the moment. 
So their view is that as they can see the peak of the digital memory cycle and the subsequent topping out of it, they suggest underweighting or slashing the target of Micron. And so I've gone deep into the detail of this report. First, you know, assessing it, it's, it, it, it's a very well-written, justifiable stance in, in the sense that there is adequate data today that shows that PC DRAM did indeed, indeed peak in May and, and, and has been declining since or actually going up at a slower rate. The rate of change has been declining, um, the rate of rise. So, that, so, so, so they're saying that when that second derivative, the rate of change becomes negative, this is the time to sell Micron. Um, um, and, and, and from a quant perspective, also their, their argument, if you look at the last cycle, their argument is right. That if you had sold Micron when the, the, the second derivative of pricing had turned negative, then even though Micron's earnings were going up, this is the year 2018, okay? Micron peaked in about May. Earnings carried on going up until September, but by Micron had fallen already by 25% before earnings um, started falling. So we had about four months where the share price was falling despite earnings estimates going up. And that is precisely what Morgan Stanley fears at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I've gone deep into their article and analyzed it segment by segment and I have an effective rebuttal of their points, which I hope we can discuss in detail in the near future. Fantastic. Yeah, so, so the two points, two points just to add a little bit more color. One is the cyclical downturn will begin in 2020, quarter one, 2020. Two. No, not 2020, 2020 um, 2022. 2022, my bad, yeah. Quarter one, 2022 is, is yeah. when the cyclical downturn will begin. And where is it peaking? Well, it already peaked is according to, according to them, right? Price peaked in Q3 yeah. and uh, will continue yeah, but, downward yeah. in a single, yeah. single digit quarterly decline uh, through, uh, through halfway or ha uh, first half of 2022. Yeah, exactly. So, that, so they're not clear on where, where it peaks in fourth quarter 21, but they're saying by then it'll be too late because it's going to start going down by single digits in the first half of 2022. Yep. So sell Micron now. Yep. So so this is this is the price. This is the price of of the DREM, the spot price. And then another thing that another thing that um, that you're you're mentioning, which is which is really interesting. I think this the second derivative thing, the slope of change, right? The acceleration, the slope of change argument feels like it's quite ubiquitous wherever you look. When, you, when you're talking about kind of the, the financial market, you know, as an investor, you're always trying to predict the future. And so whatever, whatever you're looking at is, is always going to be, you're going to be looking at the absolute change in value, but you're also going to be looking at the rate of change. And so if you know, if you know that the price is going to fall, but then you know, sorry, if you know the price is going to rise, but then it's not rising at the same rate as it has been in the past, then it indicates that you are perhaps at the end of that cycle. Therefore, you can predict because of that second derivative, that slope of change, 
yeah. that you know this may be this may be a way to um, kind of strike preempt or sell or you Fr know, front run preemptively yeah, yeah. To, Pre to, to, front run there yeah, you go that front run exactly. everybody else front run everybody else before they all rush to the exits before everybody else rushes to the exits you get out exactly. the fire door exactly exactly yeah. and I, I feel like you know this just just a side meta comment i feel like this is very ubiquitous in financial market you're always trying to yeah. look at the yeah. slope of change yeah and so this is this is no different yeah so anyway that yeah. i think that's a so, that's a great that's a great yeah. kind of a sum, a summary of the morgan Stanley report and you know what what they're yeah. what 12 analysts you said right 12 analysts are, are claiming yeah yeah i think i think it would be so yeah i think that's a good summary um, in the yeah. next episode, and, and maybe, maybe I should just add. Maybe I should just add. If you want the detail of the argument, I've I've just written a, the detailed rebuttal on seeking alpha, where where this rate of change that Becco is talking about is an extremely important point, and it, it might make more sense in writing in front of you. So do have a look at that. Yep, great point. Um, so I think that is a good kind of summary of the Morgan Stanley report. In the next episode, let's let's dive into um, these two points more in detail, and then talk about where yeah. uh, where their arguments could be. Um, you know, your rebuttal, Erroneous. your rebuttal, Sunil. Uh, basically, we talk about the yeah. rebuttal yeah. in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 do note that me here am am not little little um, David versus Goliath. And, and, and rebutting 12 global analysts on this Micron call, and I have never been more convinced on their error. <laughs> How's that for a conclusion? Great. I love that <laughs> conviction. Love the conviction. Yeah. Awesome. Um, where could people find you, Sonal? Any last words before we close out this episode? Yeah. Just send a wire, $100 uh, wire transfer to, to Beko, he'll take his cut and then send it <laughs> on to me. No, no, no. Um, uh, on Seeking Alpha, which is a great site to learn about, you know, investment analysis and so many great minds and so many great um, commentaries where people debate stocks, um, I urge you all to go there to improve your learning curve or, or, or ascend in your learning curve in investment markets. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll see you guys in the next episode.